You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and today's guest is Maya Turner. Welcome, Maya. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone is having a great day. That's good yeah, we are, we are so excited to have Maya. She is a bundle of joy. I've, I've attended some of her presentations live before. She's got great personality and great expertise. Um, and Maya, before we kind of jump into our topic, we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself, how you kind of got into what you're doing, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Wow. Um, well, I have been around for close to 30 years. Um, I started in <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> and you, you started when you were three. We right. get it. <laughs> I'm actually 51 years old. So yeah, it, I've, I've, I've been around for a while and I started out in the dental field. I started out working in dental, um, doing some dental yeah. insurance claims adjudication. Um, and then I wanted something more. And so, um, I still, I found myself getting involved with uh, the medical piece. So I took some classes um, and then, you know, I got, I got certified and then I found myself to be in an office manager position. And then I got into coding, but before I did all of that, I, first I wanted to adjudication for claims. Then I wanted to adjudication for uh, medical claims and dental claims. And then I got into coding. Well, first okay. I got into billing and then I got into coding. So it's okay. kind of like a, you know, um, a building uh, relationship because I was yeah. posting payments and things like that. And I think, um, you know, when you're dealing with that kind of thing and you understand all fa- facets of both sides of the coin, it really makes it more transparent uh, for you when you're hearing and seeing all of the kind of gaps and problems and stuff. So you can look at it from all sides. Agree. Um, yes. then, then I um, got into... Um, uh, education for uh, my organization. And we have close to a thousand physicians and pretty much every specialty you could probably think of. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you think about all the different specialties that are out there and then they're looking for someone to provide education, you stop wanting to read books for pleasure because you're always reading books for work. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like, okay. So, yeah. So um, I kind of got into that. And then um I started speaking at different um, venues like um, HealthCon and right. um, Healthcare Compliance uh, Compliance Institute, um, yep. and speaking at local chapters um, in that regard. So it, it definitely makes a difference to being well-rounded and kind of understanding um, all of the uh, um, people that are involved and, and, and the areas of they're involved in. It really makes it easier to kind of make, uh, relay the information um, that's uh, coming to them. Yeah, I love that. I, that we, that's why we kind of ask this question is because we all kind of come from different backgrounds. And right. it's I love hearing kind of the journey. And and then we all kind of end up in this space. And it's it's cool to see how we, we've kind of ended up here. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because I've been to a couple of your sessions, too. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so it's, you know, uh, to be in a realm and to be on a podcast with you is, is very much so an honor. And I, I oh, very much so enjoy 
um, having the opportunity to, to to talk to some folks about telehealth today. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. My, now, everyone, Maya is an expert in lots of different areas, but we uh, for today's uh, topic, we thought it would be interesting to talk about telehealth. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll start with, uh, let me start with asking you this question, Maya, you know, you know, before COVID telehealth was one thing, and then now we all lived through that and saw maybe some of the advantages, maybe some disadvantages of telehealth. And now we're living with telehealth in a different way. What, yeah. what do you think are some of those biggest differences between telehealth when it first started and today? Cause you've seen that whole journey. Oh yeah. And it's so, you know, I'm trying to keep my my answers kind of, you know, condensed because there's a lot of things and and um, just and and just to give you just a scenario, I was asked to speak at um in a HEMA a Nahima chapter and we talked about telehealth and some of the problems that we have and how some hospitals could fail um, mm-hmm. because of the lack of the communication, the lack of the technology, the lack, the lack, the lack, right? Right. And, and, <laughs> I mean, because it was the lack of everything, especially if you were dealing with a small budget, you weren't part of a larger organization, you know, those privately owned hospitals or those privately run (coughs) hospitals kind of suffered uh, from that regard because they didn't have the technology in order to to move forward. Yeah. And that was November. Literally, that was November of 2019. COVID, (laughs) March 2020. So everyone who was part of that um that meeting was like, oh my gosh, Maya, what did you do? I, I didn't do anything. It was just like <laughs> life was lifing for a lot of people and COVID just hit. Right. So to hear, you know, what happened before and like the first telephone call for uh te- or the first telephone visit was back in 1966. Wow. And then um the Jetsons, Hanna Barbera created this phone chat. <laughs> So, you know, you're just like, wait a minute, did Hanna-Barbera kind of talk? I think Hanna-Barbera is like behind Apple. Some some people from Hanna-Barbera should be talking to Apple because I think they kind of predict a lot, of, a lot of the things that make it convenient for us today. But in any <laughs> case, talking on the phone, seeing pictures on the phone, I don't know, Jetsons may be before a lot of people's time. But I was going to just say, you know, you and I know Jetsons, but some of our listeners are probably <laughs> what <to> talking about <laughs> You know, but I mean, if you are younger than 30 and you haven't heard of the Jetsons, maybe you can find it on YouTube. But it's yes. a show that started back in the 60s that kind of talked about some of the futures and some of the conveniences we have today. So it's really kind of crazy. But getting back to the point, as far as, you know, what's happening today, I think that they're kept um, the telehealth and the newness of telehealth kind of catapulted the necessity for people to be seen remotely. And the transition from the beginning of COVID to today is that because it was so new, everyone was chasing how to regulate it. Now that um, COVID has, you know, kind of declined in the cases and um, it catapulted a lot of needs, it kind of introduced a lot of social determinants of health, um, where um, a lot of people, they found that a lot of people didn't have the resources to take care of themselves or get to the doctor to now the OIG is regulating and auditing everything that's related to telehealth. And some things that have been issued um, when the PHE was first issued uh, by uh, Jose Prezera, um, and now, you know, how it it's changing, you know, there's a lot of things that have come out years later regarding telehealth. So a lot of yeah. companies may be self-reporting because yeah. of this issue. So, you know, the regulations have been chasing telehealth 
but it never yeah. was really simultaneous in time, which kind of makes it a, a challenge for any um, healthcare organization to really kind of stay ahead. So it makes it a, um, you know, you got to be cognizant of, of some of the regulations that are out there and how it's going to affect uh, the the revenue being kept rather than the revenue being, um, you know, returned by the yeah. requirement. So I've experienced some of that kind of what you just explained as well. You know, a lot of my clients are, um, they're just like, can I do this via telehealth? Can I do this code? Can I do that service via telehealth? And yeah. and what do I have to do? And you're spot on, like everyone wants to do it. Now, as a consumer, as a patient myself, if my doctor is offering a telehealth visit, I'm all over that because right. exactly. I, I don't want to drive and waste time and this and that. And most of the things I need to be seen for, I can do via telehealth. And, and so it's like, this is here to stay. And this is what we right. want. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> And you know what's really interesting too? Um, do I call you Dr. Wolf? Can I call you Dr. Wolf? CJ is good. Okay, CJ. Okay, well, tell me, CJ. All right. So what's really interesting, CJ, is that um when telehealth first came out, CMS stated that they um had some things that were okay, this is only for telehealth. And now as right. of 1 2024, they've issued things that were provisional, uh, temporary, and permanent. So yeah. we knew that it was going to happen. We just, Congress had a bill. They weren't sure if they were going to pass it. But now that they yep. see that the venue of a lot of people being scared or not having, you know, the means to get to meaning transportation, meaning SDOH, right. now a lot of things that we thought were going to pass away as of 1231 of 2024 is now permanent on yep. the Medicare telehealth listing, including annual wellness visits. So yeah. it, it, and those could be done via telephone. So I think you know, we're at a day and age where we realize everybody can't drive to the doctor. Everybody doesn't have people to help them get to the doctor. Right. So right. the fact that it's being recognized um, as a convenience and permanently um, as something that is affordable and allowable is definitely something that um, is is um, a plus uh, for yeah, it, healthcare scope. Yeah. And what you and I may have imagined, not imagined happening five years ago it's happening now. And I think I'm interested in what you think um, that the amount, the types of services that are going to be allowed by telehealth will probably yeah. only increase as, yeah. as people get used to it, as the quality yeah. improves, as medical care improves. So I, I think that's really just kind of going to be the future for a lot of things. I do. I do. And I think another thing that, um, that makes it so profound, I was actually listening to a telehealth with, um, Terry Fletcher, um, who's kind of like the guru, her and Christine Hall are kind of like the gurus of, of uh -huh. health. And uh, I, I enjoy speaking with them immensely. Um, and I think uh, they, she uh, mentioned, make mentioned that as of 2025, some of the telephone calls are going to be deleted, but there also is going to be a specialty code specifically designed for telehealth. So, ah. yeah. So providers will be able to um, get credentialed through CMS gotcha. with that telehealth alone, because you got all these telehealth entities yep. popping up all over the place, but yep. there's no specialty for them. And yeah. I think that it's important from a credentialing perspective to realize that. And, and if, you know, it'll be easier to track uh, based upon, you know, the state licensure requirements and, you know, and, and understanding, you know, how they're credentialed is going to make a huge difference. So the fact that that's happening lets you know that it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere.
Exactly. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, you, you do a lot of education with all these providers that you work with. Yeah. What kind of provider documentation issues, maybe from a compliance perspective or whatever, what are documentation, right? A lot of our listeners want to know, oh, what do the docs or the nurses have to document? What, what are those issues you're seeing in telehealth? I'm, I'm seeing a lot um, and I won't um, make anyone cry. Um, I have nightmares. I don't think I, I should make anyone else have nightmares. I think it should just be limited. But I will say this. <laughs> Documentation and the consent is a big deal. Um, yeah. And the type of uh, telehealth <laughs> it is. You have to say if it's audio or if you have to say it's audio video. Um, right. th- that is going to make a difference because that also gauges which kind of modifier. Um, you're That's going right. to, because there's a modifier for 90, 93 for audio only. There's a modifier for um, audio visual. Um, right. And so um, even though um, they're saying some modifiers are going away, I'm not really sure if they are. Um, but if they are, then the consent and the nature of the presenting problem should be extremely evident. And it can't be, you know, for things that are inherent to an ENM service that you would already test that you would give results for. It's got to mm-hmm. be something that goes above and beyond that. So, you know, okay. and because telehealth is always driven by a nature of a problem, it can't be, right. oh, the patient is calling here for um, right. results and you're trying to bill for a telehealth visit and they're consenting for that. You know, to me, that that almost is, you know, borderline, you, you know that you the patient has to call. So why would you ask for a consent? Because it's related to a visit. Yeah. Um, so I think that, and then the fact that, you know, most of the telephone calls are trying to be billed as um, separate visits, even though they were seen within seven days. So you got issues with that. Um, yeah. And I don't think that a lot of um, system <clears throat> edits uh, in that regard are, are capturing that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a different thing altogether, but that's the main thing is that making sure they understand the regulations behind telephone phone calls versus um, uh, inpatient visit or inpatient or even, you know, office visits. All of that stuff makes a difference. Um, yeah. And, you know, the consent behind and the type of visit that is being uh, performed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a quick break, everybody, and then we'll be right back with Maya. If it seems like the OIG is constantly making work plan updates, it's because, well, they are. Who has the time to stay up on all those new changes? We do. Each month, CJ Wolf issues a monthly OIG work plan e-brief to make it easy for you to keep up with all the updates coming your way. Head over to healthicity.com resources to check out e-briefs, webinars, blogs, and so much more. Now let's get back to CJ for the rest of this episode of Compliance Conversations. Welcome back, everyone, from the break. We're talking with Maya Turner, wonderful person and an expert in all sorts of coding and compliance things. And we're talking about telehealth. Maya, we were talking about some of those documentation and compliance issues. I I foresee, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, that, you know, because it's going to be increasing, and -hmm. we've seen OIG already say this, the scrutiny will be increasing, so audits will be increasing, right? So what, you know, from telehealth 2024 going forward, what do you advise practices to be mindful of to kind of avoid some risks? What are those? I think the the biggest risk is um, negating medical necessity and the reason why a patient is there mm-hmm. for a telehealth visit. I think that's a 
uh, Terry mentioned that last night and I and I um, kind of talked to her um, in regards to all of this because she's she's been out there um, kind of um, engaging people about telehealth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think because um, we're at a day and age where it's about convenience, now we need to say why it's inconvenient uh, for the patient um, uh, to, to come to the office. Gotcha. Um, Noting, noting that in the note, patient can't come today due to transportation problems. Pa- patient is seen today via telehealth due to um, illness or inco- you know a sprained ankle or something of that right. nature. So documenting why the visit is necessary is really going to negate why they were seen remotely versus in person. Um, mm-hmm. Another uh, uh, caveat to all of this is that you know. Um, they're going back to the original code descriptors. I think that there were some allowances that were allowing new and established patients to receive these types of services, but I believe they're defaulting back to established visits for telephone calls, um, which is important. Um, You know, but the the bottom line is to unravel the string, right? Unravel the string so that people understand the what, when, where, why, and how, literally. And you know, I mean, we talked, we learned about the four, five W's and the H like long, long time ago, but I think it's still very relevant, right? I don't even know. Do exactly. they do that? Just like they stopped teaching cursive. Yeah. I, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go there. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, understanding that the what, when, where, why, and how, and placing that in the documentation and incorporate. Um, that as part of the consent, I think that's going to be the biggest uh, takeaway um, because it's not going away and we need to know that it's going to be audit proof. So you may get the money initially, but you want to keep the money. And that's exactly. Yeah, they're they're going to come after. They're going to follow the money. I really liked what you said, too, about kind of the why. And you mentioned this earlier, um, kind of the social determinants of health. That's such an important um, uh to, to for us to recognize in healthcare in general yeah, that yeah. some people like you were saying some people don't have the transportation means some people you know are bedridden or they're you know and so we, can they still get some healthcare yeah through telehealth and so I, I really liked kind of the way you framed that um my my dog was getting ready to come in so sorry oh, good that. let's have another guest what's <laughs> your dog's name his name is King but I just closed the door so now he's looking all crazy like why are you closing the door on me? Like, uh, get out of here, kid. I, I teach some online classes with cameras on. And I say, look, I'm not offended if a pet or a little child comes on screen, but that means you have to introduce them and tell me who they are. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, he's he's outside of the door now. So I had kind of closed right. it. If, if he tries to push the door open, then you know that he's very intentional about trying to get in here so he has something to say about telehealth <laughs> uh, of course of course um gosh I, I i lost my train of thought no worries let me ask you something else so um do you ever think there will be like this universal alignment regarding telehealth for coverage because it seems like there's lots of variables for coverage right like medicare comes out and says what they'll do right they list their codes they'll say this one's this one can be done with audio only right so they're right. pretty good about telling us what we can expect but what about other payers what about these variables for coverage omg okay so <laughs> Hmm. That's a loaded question, CJ. So I'm trying my best to kind of stay focused. Um, I do believe that the many variables of telehealth is going to make a lot of difference in, and I hate to say this, but uh, healthcare providers surviving. Yeah. Um, 
because, you know, they're all um, engaged via contract, right? And because they're engaged via contracts, they make, you know, the providers take a smaller amount, but then you add all of these complexities about how to get paid and then what's allowable and what's not, um, you know, it, it makes it a problem. Um, so, you know, um, there are a few, there, there's a couple of payers who just recently uh, introduced something, I believe Cigna, Aetna and uh, United Healthcare have all been very transparent of what they would allow. Um, UHC is literally par parallel to CMS. Um, gotcha. But um, Aetna and some of them are just creating their own guidelines. So and they're not regulated to do anything other than what they want to do. The only right. ones that are regulated to um, um, stay within CMS guidelines that are, are the ones that are contracted by state and um, uh, Medicare uh, policy. So you know, right. those are the ones that you want to stick with. But as the 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 driving or the underlying um, uh, component that I really would like to make mention is, is that make sure that your organization has a policy on which ones you're going to follow, right? Gotcha. I think it's important for CMS guidelines to be utilized because those are the ones that are going to create less risk if you follow them, right? Yeah. Um, and I, the point that I was going to make with uh, the SDOH is that a lot of those SDOHs fall under the permanent telehealth listing. So, okay. you know, a lot of them can be done via telephone, um, like the G0136. Those can be done via telephone because um, I believe it's uh, some of them are time based. So a lot of them, you know, of the new G codes that are out there, there are a lot of them that are out there that are on that list. So if you follow CMS regulations, then you should be um, within good uh, standing to keep your payment. But if you don't and you kind of go willy nilly and you forget which policy is what, and you kind of forget which ones you're submitting the payment for, then you're going to be more at risk. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts might be on, you know, so now that the, these ENM guidelines have changed from 2021, 2023, where you can bill off of time uh, yeah. or medical, medical decision-making, do you see any issues with um, providers via telehealth getting those level fives, so those highest levels for high medical decision making via telehealth. Meaning, if it's if it's high, should they have come in? Right. I, I don't know if I'm making sense with this. Oh question. yeah, I totally. I'm so there with you, CJ. Trust me. And I think um, it goes back to um, the why. You know, if you're yeah. below level five and you're only complaining of uh, nausea not nausea, but just a fever and a runny nose, then I don't think right. you should be spending that much time billing a level five. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons why they made the changes so that the disparities between the levels of service can be more, you know, across the board, not because you're a pulmonary and an intensivist and you're billing level fives because everybody is dealing with some sort of severity of illness that's respiratory, right? So I think right. it, it, it it's going to be based upon the medical necessity and the benchmarking because the benchmarking is tracing, you know, okay, well, all of your patients had level fives, but, you know, what was the nature of the presenting problem? To me, that's going to gauge everything and how it's yeah. documented, one, and two, how it's being managed. So, you know, if they're not seen within the next 24 to 48 hours and you're billing a level five, then was it really a level five? And they're going to be tracing that. So, yeah. you know, I just feel like there's just a whole lot um, of documentation that needs to be um, monitored if yeah. you're billing on time uh, to negate why you spent so much time. That goes back yeah. to, yeah, 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 yeah. But I totally yeah. get what you're saying. 
Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we've heart, you know, even before tele, let's say before telehealth was an issue, because you and I have spent a lot of years in doing this, you know, yeah. we harp on documentation, the importance of documentation, like even just when a patient's being seen in the office. Well, right. now you still have to do that documentation, but then you have to add on all this telehealth yeah. documentation. Yeah. So it it it's good for the patient, it's good for quality of care, but it also puts a little bit more burden maybe on those who have to document. Well, I mean, and that's just it, though. I think if it's, I mean, and I, you know, I was listening to um, Sean Weiss uh, and his, uh, the compliance guy with his his group, and right. one of the, the coders um, listed, you know, if it's worth the extra money, then it should be worth the extra lines or the extra paragraph because there you're, you go. <laughs> yeah, it's you're spending the extra time to do that, and you want to get recognized for your time. But everything that if you're doing is dot phrased, right, or if right. it's you know, a template then how do we know that you spent that extra time doing it? If it's worth the extra money, then you should put the extra effort behind it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really um, interested, you know, because some of these like settlements and these, uh, you know, yeah. compliance settlements and stuff lag behind a few years. And so yeah. I think we're going to start seeing more kind of settlements and cases come out. It'll be interesting at the, at that point to kind of dig deeper into the, uh, the legal papers to figure out, okay, oh, what, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like we don't see a lot of those yet, but I think they're just right around the corner. I, and and to be quite honest with you, I think some of the biggest issues that we see is that there's not a lot of cross the board regulation behind it. Everything is significant per state and right. licensure requirements. I mean, you do have some states that are collaborative in that regard, but you still have to be licensed within the state. So, right. you know, when you're dealing with across the board guidelines or seeing patients across the board, you know, the, the guidelines for 23 are completely different than the guidelines for 2024, meaning mm -hmm. before it was driven by where the patient was. Now it's where the patient is being seen. It doesn't mean where was as far as residing, where they live. You know, now right. it's where the patient is being seen. So if you don't have licensure for those requirements and you're getting paid and you're thinking that the old 2023 guidelines come into play, then right. you're going to have some self-reporting and there's going to be some some issues in regard to that. So that's going to be a whole different um, ball game um, if you're not up to date on state policy. Yeah. Um, and there should be some references that you should be looking at uh, continually for that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, we're getting kind of towards the end, but I have this other question that I want to spend some minutes on. Okay. So you and I have, you know, had the the privilege of being around for a while, <laughs> but yes. what would you say to someone who's brand new, who's just learning about telehealth, or maybe they've just been given the assignment about telehealth, or they're in a practice that's going to do exclusive telehealth. Right. Are there specific resources, websites, podcasts, audits? What, what do you think are some of those resources for new people? Well, one, you got to know what your state guidelines are. Um, uh, because some states don't allow for a synchronous communication, asynchronous communication, which is the storm forward. Um, mm -hmm. So you got to know which states allow that. And if you find that your practice is doing a lot of that, then you should know that. Um, the websites is for Centers for Connected Health Policy. Okay. Uh, that's one. Um, the HHS websites has one specifically for telehealth, telehealth.gov. Um, okay. The podcast, obviously, Healthicity uh, is one. Um, Terry Fletcher has one. Healthcare Inspired is definitely another one. Um, yeah. All of these different venues of podcasts, but the, the biggest one is CMS. If that's right. where your money is going, if that's 60% of your, your patient uh, payer mix, then you need to know what CMS guidelines are and you know make yourself um, familiar 
um, with what's allowable via audio video versus just telephone alone. So that those types of things are definitely going to uh, be helpful in your success and uh, being able to keep payment. Absolutely. And, you know, I think this topic of telehealth is also being addressed at a lot of these conferences, like the ones you yeah. mentioned, yeah. uh, HealthCon yeah. and HCCA, and I'm sure there's others. Ahima probably oh, does a lot yeah. on this too. I mean, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, there, there, no, I was just going to say, so stay involved in those conferences, but yeah, please oh go Oh my ahead. gosh. I, I believe that, you know, keeping yourself in a box and in a bubble, um, you know, that's not going to help you at all. You really need to right. keep yourself with um, more uh, public platforms that allow for um, uh, communication and tangibility with conversation. You know, you need to have that um, to understand what other people's thoughts are. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, right. think that's part of the problem. And, you know, some, you know, offices are really kind of, um, you know, um, in a bubble, you know, but mm -hmm. the more you reach out, the more you're going to learn, the more you stay to yourself, the less you're going to learn and the more you're going to be at risk. So, yes. you know, I mean, those kinds of things are going to be really, uh, especially important and, and, and moving forward, um, and being within, um, you know, compliance. Yeah. I love that attitude. What you've kind of described, I, I say is lifelong learning, right? Where, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so I got certified. Okay, I'm done. No, it's like these, and these services are changing. The requirements are changing. I think that's what's kind of exciting and fun about yeah. being in coding and compliance is because it keeps things fresh. So I love your attitude about just keep learning. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, and I don't want to promote anything, anybody or having for bad habits, but the more you learn, the more you drink. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least you want to drink, you know, you got to find something to vice all of this uh, and, and to finagle through all of this, because if you don't have anyone to talk to, if you don't have any venues to kind of get, you know, the answers that you need, you're going to drive yourself crazy because yeah. if this is something that you can do alone. You're extremely wrong about that. And you got to make yourself vulnerable um, to understand that you can't do it alone and to seek help when you need it. Yeah. You know, because a lot of us feel like we're the only one in our organization and that may be true, but you have peers in other organizations. And so Absolutely. to this point about conferences and staying connected, find those peers who, you know, you get along with and who, who kind of mesh with you and then, you know, help each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's imperative. I mean, you can't, you can't do this alone. And if yeah. you think you can do this alone without any help, you are very sadly mistaken and you're not going to be in this field alone uh, for a long time. Um, yeah. the, the, the biggest uh, uh, plus in, in, in our profession is the camaraderie and, and, yeah. and working with people that you know that you trust or that you can trust uh, for you to be vulnerable and for help and to get the solutions that you need. Yeah. Maya, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. We're, we're kind of out of time here. Um, we'll probably have to have you back because you've got other topics we could talk about, um, but it's been a real pleasure. And thank you so much for your time and expertise and your and your personality. Okay, thank you. I, I enjoyed being here. Awesome. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate your, your listening. If you're liking these, please, you know, hit the like and subscribe and share with friends and colleagues. And if if we always say this, if you know of anyone who might who you think might make a good guest, or if you want a certain topic discussed, uh, please let us know because we want these to be uh, useful to you. So with that said, uh, happy compliance, everybody. Until next time. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. 
Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.